Unspoken Issues. All right, man. You ready for Night Stalkers? Yep. Fifth part of Rise of the Midnight Suns, Night Stalkers number one, written by D.G. Chichester, penciled by Ron Garney, and colored by Tom Palmer, and lettered by John Costanza. Frank Drake, created by Gene Colan and Jerry Conway, first appeared in Tomb of Dracula number one. April of 1972. Frank Drake lived a wealthy life until an unfortunate turn of events left him penniless and nearly killed by Count Dracula. After meeting Rachel Van Helsing, he found a purpose and decided to join her squad of vampire hunters. Once that group disbanded, Drake married and settled down with his wife, Marlene McKenna. Blade, created by Marv Wolfman and Gene Colan. Uh, Eric Brooks first appeared in Tomb of Dracula number 10, July of 1973. He was born while his mom was being bitten by a vampire named Deacon Frost, causing him to become half-human and half-vampire. Swearing to avenge his mother's death, Blade has since waged war on other vampires alongside Quincy Harker, Rachel Van Helsing, and Frank Drake. Other previous exploits have taken him into contact with Hannibal King, who who we will talk about in a few, forging a bit of a friendship. Prior to this issue, Blade is committed to an institution after a breakdown that occurred after a battle that nearly resurrected Dracula. Now, let's talk about Hannibal King, created by Gene Colan and Marv Wolfman. First appearance, Tomb of Dracula, number 25, October of 1974. Private investigator Hannibal King was bitten by the same vampire that had bitten Blade's mother. However, Hannibal could not morally abide by his compulsion to feed on living humans, instead finding other means to get human blood. A chance meeting with Blade the Vampire Slayer has led them to forming a bond after realizing their lives were so impacted by the vampire Deacon Frost. All three men came together and worked under a detective agency called Borderline Investigations. But when recent events led to Drake's departure and Blade's breakdown, the agency has shut its doors. So there we go. Those are our three main characters we're going to be getting into here with Night Stalkers number one. Synopsis time. Here we go. That synopsis is coming up. But first, let me talk about Amazon Music. If you're looking for a good platform that can fill those musical needs, Amazon Music has you covered. If you head to getamazonmusic.com slash W2M Network, you can get a free 30-day trial where you can check out over 70 million songs. That's getamazonmusic.com slash W, the number 2M Network, for that free 30-day trial. Blazing Ghost Rider in pursuit of Nakoda. Remember Nakoda, the Lillian that kind of ran away after the events of Darkhold number one. So Blazing Ghost Rider are chasing after her. They finally get to her, and using his penance stare, Ghost Rider sees the vision of Blade, Hannibal King, and Frank Drake, but Ghost Rider does not know if they are friends or enemies, so he rides with Johnny Blaze to go find them. We catch up with Frank Drake, who is at an aquarium with his wife Marlene, but his mind is elsewhere and begins to see visions of Lilith and her return. Snapping out of it, he turns to Marlene, who is now in a catatonic state. Distraught, he gets her to a hospital and believes the vision of Lilith is tied to to what happened to her. We then find Blade, who is currently at a psychiatric facility attempting to deal with the horror that he has dealt with in his life. However, unbeknownst to him, Doctor Strange is orchestrating his release. Once he is freed, Blade finds an old business card in his belongings for Borderline Investigative Services. With nowhere else better to go, Blade heads to the address. Then we find Hannibal King, a man who has been experiencing a bit of bloodlust and is consulting Doctor Strange about it. We learn that he was resurrected by a vampire by the name of Deacon Frost. We already covered that. And now has 
vampire abilities, vampiric abilities, but is also a human who craves flesh and blood, but does not need to need it to sustain himself. So basically, he's a human slash vampire who craves blood, but he has strong enough. Yeah, he's got a strong enough will to to where he doesn't need it. Uh, When Frank arrives at, at Borderline Investigations, he finds Blade and Hannibal King already there. Just then, a scantily dressed woman, which or I think it's Lilith. Is that Lilith? Okay, all right. That's what I've always assumed. I okay. mean, they don't make it uh, obvious, but well, whoever it is, the scantily dressed. <laughs> abnormal looking lady walks in immediately. They're all suspicious, but they're like, okay, let's hear what happens. So anyway, she walks in and she's like, Oh, I do declare my husband uh, <laughs> was put into a coma by these three men and, uh, or by these men. And she lays out these pictures and it's, it's Johnny blaze and it's Ghost Rider. And so she's like, can you please help me? I think Frank is like, well, you know, my wife's kind of in a coma and I, I've seen this lady before. Okay. I kind of got an idea that these things are connected. Let's see how this plays out. Realizing they may need some powerful tools to take them down. Frank Drake stops by an MIT media lab, which I thought it said MIT media lab. When I think <laughs> of a media lab, I'm thinking of TVs and, and production and all this stuff. He's like, nope, you guys working on my gun, Not right? Specialized weapons. <laughs> Not specialized <laughs> weapons. Uh, that's correct. But it makes sense that it's at least a gun that is named after a very popular movie. And that is the exorcist. He picks up a gun mm. called the exorcist while blade stops somewhere to pick up some swords that he had stashed uh, and he believes these will help out meanwhile lilith meets a new lillen by the name of meat market Lilith sends Meat Market to make sure everything goes according to plan. And the plan is to have Blade, King, and Drake kill Ghost Rider or vice versa. Either you just get a, one of them's got to get the other ones out of the way and she's kind of, she's going to be happy. So Blaze and Ghost Rider show up at Borderline Investigative and they find a note telling them to meet, him at, meet at a church. So they are expected. And when they arrive, they are attacked by Blade, Hannibal, and Frank. And I will tell you, there is some points during this battle where you're like, there's no quarter here. They, they're going, one of them is intent on messing the other one up to the point where you think one of them's going to get killed. So as the battle turns in the favor of the three, Blade sees a lurking meat market in the shadows. Realizing this was a setup, which they probably already expla- uh, probably already expected, but realizing this was a setup, Blade points Frank to fire the exorcist at meat market, dismembering him. Shaking off their dust up, Blaze and Ghost Rider gather themselves. As the pair begin to take their leave, Blade tells Johnny that if he continues to ride with Ghost Rider, he may be targeted by them at some point. But right now, they will let him go. Now, I I thought this was interesting because the Night Stalkers themselves are a, they're a pretty paranormal trio here. I mean, they yeah. <laughs> you got a dude who's a vampire, you got a guy who kills vampires. Actually, you got two guys who killed vampires in the past. So they they're all they've all run afoul of supernatural uh, events at some point in their life, and it's obviously changed them for the worse, I would assume, in their opinion. You're at the end of this fight, you're like, okay, Ghost Rider, this is gonna be the typical Marvel dust up where the heroes <laughs> fight each other and then they shake hands at the end, but that's not what happens. They get up and they're like, You guys are safe for now, but we're gonna come after you at some point. You're hanging out with that guy, that ghost rider guy. He's on our list. At some point we're coming his we're coming your way. 
and I'll, I'll go ahead and read the panel here. Uh, this is, I think, before the big the big spread at the end. But Hannibal, he says there are other there are worse offenders like like this Lilith who take first priority. But that doesn't save you if you don't save yourself. So he's telling this to Johnny. Uh, and then Blade t- chimes in and says, "Those that don't take the high road or just can't, they can all watch their backs." And then Frank chimes in with the shadows and the darkness. They protected the occult for too long and let it have its way on the unsuspecting innocent. Then I think we get our big spread at the end with uh, the the Night Stalkers. Um, not exactly a, a fairy tale ending, that's for sure. These guys <laughs> are like, watch your back, dude. We're, we might be coming after you next. You know, this is the fifth issue of this series. This is probably, I think, the fourth failed attempt... <laughs> by Lilith, which is good. I mean, we want our heroes to succeed, but she is having issues. She keeps throwing things at this set of nine, the, the, the set of nine heroes here. And each time it falls apart in her face. Meat market literally fell apart in her face. Um, <laughs> but, uh, Probably should but have just anyway. waited until she was a full power. <laughs> yeah. You know, kind of bide your time a little bit. So that's the end there for night stalkers. Number one, another great launch title now. Okay. Uh, I mean, I'll go ahead and start here real quick. Blade. I've heard of blade. Have I read before anything with blade in it before the Wesley Snipes movie? No, <laughs> that would be a negative. I probably, I I don't think I've read anything with Blade in it uh, af- until after watching the Wesley Snipes movie and I knew who Blade was. These other two characters, I no, there's n- I've never read anything with Frank Drake in it. I've never read anything with Hannibal King in it. Uh, so I had no idea what I was getting into. I even forgot about Blade Trinity. So <laughs> that's, you know, that's a thing. But yeah, I mean, it, it's a great way to reintroduce these characters like you were talking about, pulling these characters back into the Marvel mythos from these 70s titles titles now getting the band back together again which is very much the feel of this book like hey we're getting things back together these three guys who have had a history with each other are going to be back on the road together very fun feel to the book again a lot of history right here at the beginning of this first title i really like this one this was probably my favorite of the new books uh back in the day uh, more so than Darkhold and morbius i really like the night stalkers characters and I kind of think I like it even more now because I like the detective noir stuff mingled yeah. in with the supernatural. Right, uh, right. Which was, you know, Lilith, if, if that is who who it was, coming in with the big femme fatale vibes <laughs> coming oh, into yeah. the office to, to, to hire them for, for the case or whatever, the, the charade. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I didn't know any of these characters before this came out. I remember when Blade, uh, the movie, was about to be released. I was like, man, I wish they would have just made a Night Stalkers movie. <laughs> and, no, no kidding. Uh, eventually, I think Ryan Reynolds played Hannibal King. Frank Drake, I don't think, ever showed up in those movies. Right. But, yeah, he was in Blade Trinity, which was not a good movie <laughs> in, in my recollection. <laughs> I've only seen it the once, but I remember not not being a fan of it. But yeah, the this is uh it's probably my favorite non Ghost Rider Midnight Midnight Suns book. Uh, it was really cool that they had all the I mean, they really entrenched that this is that they're in Boston. There are a ton of like the cobblestones. They talk about Paul Revere. They they're on the ship. Uh at the I think uh, Strage and Lilith are on the on the 
on a, on a uh, famous uh, ship in Boston Harbor at the end. I think this is the, is this the first issue where they mentioned that Strange, like, basically says, I can't confront Lilith on my own because the, it, the a confrontation with that much magic is going to break the dimensional walls even further or whatever. Yeah, like, he shows up in front of Lilith. Uh, right. If, but, and he's like, he's like, yeah, he's like, look, a direct, co- I'll read it, a direct collision of power such as ours would weaken the dimensional walls even further and allow you to summon your scattered children to damnation of damnation that much easier so yeah that finally we get an explanation as to why like strange dude what are you doing man just help out uh, yeah (laughs) jump in here anytime Uh, um, I really like Ron Garney as a penciler. That this is early in his career. He's uh, become a lot more—I wouldn't say more refined—but he, he's evolved his style a lot more um, since this point. But he does a really good job of like really packing these pages. Um, a lot of smaller panels, uh, really getting into a lot more story detail and stuff. And then there's like big splash pages every once in a while, like Lilith exploding out of the whale or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, he became one of my favorite artists o- over the years. This, this is like, I'm sure this is the first thing I'd ever, ever read that he had done. Yeah. It looks, it looks really good. And just kind of skip back to Dr. Strange real quick. Dr. Strange was responsible, I believe for, uh, Marlene's catatonic state. Right. Yeah. And I, I was like, I mean, they made sure to put that in there. They could have left that like <laughs> as something as that Lilith had done or, but no strange being this douchebag that he is it's like, <laughs> I've got to put things into motion. And the only way thing he, the only way he could do that would be to put her in a, a coma so that Frank could go off and, and do what he needs to do. But as far as the issue itself, I really, really enjoyed it. I mean, it's a good, like I said, it's a good way to get these guys back together. We, we get a neat way of telling Blade's origin. You know, he's in a mental institution, essentially, and a guy dresses up as a vampire for Halloween and he tries to kill him, basically. Yeah. <laughs> like, completely detached from, from reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, the Montesi, or my, uh, my, I forget how you said it. <laughs> Sorry, but... You, you the, say the how form, you want to say it. Yeah, my bad. <laughs> but, uh... That, that that's something I had no frame of reference for because I never read those old issues, and I just thought that was really interesting that they use the Montesi name to for Victoria Montesi to create the Darkhold Redeemer's character. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I guess the the way I understand it is in one of those old Tomb of Dracula uh, issues, they use the formula to like get rid of all vampires all across the earth. Yeah. yeah it says if, on Wikipedia, it says they battle Dracula and the Darkhold. Wait, they battle Dracula and the Darkholders, which is the cult, I guess, uh-huh. and use the book to cast the Montesi formula, which destroys Dracula and all current vampires on Earth. It also prevents others from existing on the planet. King is not destroyed by the spell because he had never taken blood from a living human being. Right, right, right. Yep. I, I mean, I really don't have much else to say about this issue. Again, it's a great introduction issue. We get our three main characters. We have a good time. What's your... You got a favorite panel here? Uh, yeah, I did find one. It was Frank Drake uh, unleashing Linda on Ghost Rider with the kind of a it's a two page splash, but it's just like the the top portion of each page. Which is, uh, the, the layouts of some of these panels, I think, are really interesting. And that's another example of it. But, yeah, the, the colors are really popping there, too. I agree. Yeah, that that was almost going to be my pick. I've actually got a couple others that I thought about, uh, but I think I'm going to land on this one. 
I almost went with Meat Market. Our introduction to Meat Market and and uh, his he's probably my figure. favorite Lillian character, at least visually. <laughs> yeah, he is definitely grotesque. If he's your favorite, I give you the floor, sir. Do your best to kind of describe what Meat Market looks like. <laughs> Essentially, looks just kind of like a rotting zombie, only like really broad-shouldered and taller and. And uh, kind of tall and lanky because he's half of him is just bone, but he's got like really big hulking shoulders as well. Yeah, yeah, he's a his rib cage is like, I mean, it's protruding from his mm-hmm. uh, from his chest, and he's just he's rotting. A- Basically. Yeah, he's apparently because he at the end of this issue, you're thinking Meat Market's dead, but he's going to show up in the next issue. They've patched him back together. So I, <laughs> I assume he's like a cobbling of all these different parts. Uh, it, it very ugh. like his uh, one arm is longer than the other. Uh, mm-hmm. And it looks like the biceps ripped on one. And I mean, it's it's pretty gross. But I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll go for something real subtle. All right. You ready? Yeah. All right. So one small panel near the beginning after. After Blade is released, Doctor Strange like vaporizes the classic goggles and stakes. Oh, yeah. As Blade walks off uh, below, because it's all from this rooftop vantage where he's got, I think he took those things out of like his personal belongings when he went in there. And the guy's like, well, this is all we've got. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, uh, Doctor Strange kind of wipes the past away by disintegrating those green goggles that he used to have in the wooden stakes. So, by the the end of this issue or at least near the end of this issue or maybe the middle of it but anyway in this issue blade is going for his iconic swords mm-hmm. and i don't remember that being part of the 70s comic covers that i seen with blade on the front i could be wrong yeah. maybe i am but yeah i mean the name implies that he probably had a sword but i've any of the old images i've seen like with the green leather jacket and stuff like he's I've not like just seen him using uh like wooden stakes and stuff so I've, yeah but i've not read those comics so i can't say definitively <laughs> me either i'll find out here later when I go through uh, if I if I edit that out or not. <laughs> this would be a good time to plug a sponsor of the W2M network and that is Grammarly. For you, the listeners of Unspoken Issues, Grammarly is offering a free download of the Grammarly software. Grammarly's AI-powered products help people communicate more effectively. Grammarly helps you write mistake-free on Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and nearly anywhere else you write on the web. Grammarly corrects hundreds of grammar, punctuation, and spelling mistakes while also catching contextual errors, improving your vocabulary, and suggesting style improvements. To download Grammarly today, go to getgrammarly.com slash W2M network. Again, that's getgrammarly.com slash W, the number two, M network to download Grammarly for free. For going the longer form plugs on these shorter episodes, I'll just remind you to go check out the unspokendecade.com for some great articles regarding comics from the 1990s. You can follow Chris Armstrong on Twitter at BrodyMan34 and myself at Stiznarkey on Twitter. And we are pretty active on our Facebook page. Just search for the Unspoken Issues podcast. Stay safe, everyone, and tune in tomorrow for the next chapter of Rise of the Midnight Suns. Uh, 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 uh,